you can't put yourself in other people's places. You can't live by the golden rule. You can't do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You can't put yourself in their place. Therefore, I have come and put myself in your place. I have come and lived the life you should have lived and died the death you should have died. I am kneeling at your feet. I have put myself in your place so that you can start to love other people. How is that possible? It's simple. Only if you're completely freed by the fullness of what Jesus has done for you, we be able to give real love. Today on the Song Time broadcast, the late Timothy Keller will explain to us from the story of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, how the golden rule is replaced by the gospel rule. Stay tuned for that. But first, we're joined once again by Jamie Dunlop as we talk about the challenging people in our lives and, and how and why we are called to love them as Christ loved us. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. All week long, we've been talking with Jamie Dunlop. He's a pastor and an author of a new book called Love the Ones Who Drive You Crazy. And I think that after the last four years, this is just about all of our relationships, right? There are so many areas where we have found trouble and conflict, even in the relationships that we thought were really close and really sound. And that's a tragedy. This book takes eight different principles from the book of Romans to show us how we can actually love people and why we should love the people who drive us crazy. But Jamie, this is an issue that has caused people to to see their churches in a new light. And maybe they've left churches, maybe they're still looking for a church, maybe they're feeling that there is no place for them to land, there's no place for them to get plugged in and involved. What sort of advice do you have for them on how to to get through the sort of questions and and concerns of what is important and essential about joining a new church. Do they believe the Bible's true? Do they act as if the Bible's true? Do they teach the Bible in a way that you can grow? Do you agree with what they believe as a church? If the answer to those questions is yes, even it's a very uncomfortable church for you, if you find Christ there, it will be worth any dis- amount of discomfort to put up with to be able to find Christ there. I find in equal measure people who are too picky about church and who are way too tolerant. Uh, there are people who, because that's the church they grew up in, they're still there, even though that pastor you know, mentions a Bible verse once in a sermon and then kind of goes off on his own hobby horse and you never really get the scriptures there. Well, you got to leave. Go to a place where you're going to get real teaching about Jesus. At the same time, some people are so picky, they're like, I want to have them, you know, agree on this and this and this and this and this, all these secondary issues, because that's where I feel comfort. And I would just again say, Christ is worth more than comfort. Find the place that preaches Christ, even if it's uncomfortable, and uh, you will find a far better place to thrive as a Christian than the place that just kind of is where you can naturally slip into because you agree with all these things on them. Hmm. Paul didn't tell the Jews to go to Jewish churches. He didn't tell the Gentiles to go to Gentile church. He said, you are one in Christ. Behold a beautiful, wonderful community of the church. It's just going to take a lot of love and charity to get there. For any of our listeners who are struggling with their current church, uh, hopefully none that are going to my church, but uh, uh, <laughs> there, there's issues that they can't get past. And uh, they, they're sitting there on a Sunday morning, and it's the issues are right there in their face. They don't know what to do with them. Uh, but they don't know how to approach it. Maybe there's a timidity there. So what kind of advice do you have for them 
on where they should be. Maybe they should leave the church. Maybe they should work through those issues. What sort of advice do you have? Yeah, uh, you need to be in a church where you can grow. And um, sometimes if you were more mature, you could grow in this church despite what that pastor says all the time, but you're not. Be honest about yourself. It is, I need to go to church where I can grow. And I hope your pastor is willing to have that conversation with you where you can say, here's, here's where I'm struggling. Um, can you help me get through these struggles where I can stay? Or can you recommend, recommend another church I can go to? If your pastor isn't willing to have that conversation with you, if your pastor's like a salesman just saying like, you know, I only recommend my church and nothing else, well, that may itself be a good reason to go elsewhere. But you're speaking to people in New England. There's only so many options. Uh, and so that's where I say, I think I come back to what I said first. Do they believe the Bible? Do they act as if they believe the Bible? Do they teach the Bible? Uh, and uh, that's, 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 the where, that's where you got to start. Now, whenever we're talking about these issues, the reality is the people who think that they're the hard person to love, the people that drive other people crazy, um, are not the ones. And when we're talking about preaching to the choir, we're not actually preaching to the choir because the people that think that they're the problems are not the problems, and people that don't think that they're problems are usually the problems, right? So uh, yeah. maybe for the person who thinks, "Oh, I, I put my foot in my mouth, and I, you know, I, I'm I'm the problem. I'm clearly the problem. There's conflict in the church." Could you speak to them as a little bit of reassurance? Yeah, I mean, humility is part of the Christian life. And I'm a pastor, but I probably put my foot in my mouth more than most pastors do. This congregation is very kind to me and uh, being willing to sort of let me clarify myself. Uh, that's not been in a barrier to fellowship in this church. Uh, I think that my pride of being unwilling to admit I was wrong would be a barrier to fellowship. And so of course you're the problem. We're all sinful people. We all uh, uh, sin and make stupid decisions and, and mess up. And then we're Christians, so we repent. And uh, that's not to say that sin doesn't sometimes have lasting consequences after repentance, uh, but repentance is always the way to begin to follow Christ again. And, and you're right. The person who picks up the book because they feel like they're the ones who drive other people crazy, it's going to be a great book for you. Uh, because it's very much designed to change your perspective uh, because you want to be changed. If you pick up the book because you have other people who drive you crazy and you want the book to fix them, it will be of no help to you at all. Yeah. Uh, it's very much a book about changing your perspective and changing your attitude toward those difficult people so that you can love them better. Uh, and you know, maybe they're picking up the book because they have the same questions about you. We've been talking with Jamie Dunlop. His book is called Love the Ones Who Drive You Crazy, Eight Truths for Pursuing Unity in Your Church. It's part of the Nine Mark series, and it's a great resource. They always put out some really great resources for the church. If you want to find out more information, you can always reach out to us. Jamie, it was a real privilege to have you with us today. Thank you so much for for going through the gauntlet, writing this book, and experiencing all that you experienced so that you had the wisdom to uh, give us these principles, but also uh, for taking the time to communicate the gospel and being a part of the many voices for that one message. 
It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Adam. If you'd like to find out more information about Jamie Dunlop, you can head over to our website at songtime.com or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. And as usual, uh, what you heard on the broadcast today is just a segment of a greater interview, much more conversation than what we were able to air on the broadcast. So if you would like to hear that or actually watch the interview on video, all of that is posted on our website at songtime.com. And here's the thing, if you were blessed by it, could I ask you to share it with somebody else so that they could be blessed by it as well? And that would actually help us as a ministry to to spread our, our reach so that we can reach more people with the kingdom of God and the gospel message. So if you have been blessed, be sure to not only let us know, but to let your friends know as as well. Again, head over to our website at songtime.com. Well, today we're continuing our study looking at Dr. Timothy Keller's message from John chapter 13 and the story of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And what this teaches us in particular about the importance of loving one another, loving our enemies and blessing those who curse us. There's a great lesson in all of this. But more importantly, it shows us that there's a difference between how we perceive love, how we kind of define it for ourselves, what our needs are, and that is a broken sense of love. That is not a pure, holy sense of love. And Jesus shows us, through his example, a love that is untainted by sin, untainted by selfishness, untainted by all of the problems that we have. And so we learn from Jesus a true pure, holy example of love in this expression of his washing of the feet of his disciples. Here is Timothy Keller with a closer look at John 13. If you're willing to move out toward people without discrimination on the basis not of what they can give you, but on who they are as value, just their value as people, and, and if you go after them and you say how, how, you know, in a sense, foot washing means I am humbly, indiscriminately, gently, because foot washing is very gentle, but sometimes painful, depending on how beat up the feet are. How can I gently, though, risk pain, humbly, indiscriminately, be committed to your radiance, be committed to your cleanliness, to be committed to your glory? How can I do that? That's the language of love. Now lastly, we have to ask this question. How is this cultivated? How is it cultivated? It's amazing. Jesus Christ has given us If you go a little further on in this chapter, in verse 34, Jesus says, A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Which is exactly what he just says here. As I have washed your feet, wash one another's feet. Now here's what I love about this. This tells me everything. First of all, it tells me, by Jesus making foot washing the metaphor, the way of understanding love, the nice thing about it is you can get started. Foot washing means it's kind of dirty, it's kind of ugly, it's kind of foul, there's obviously no sense of attraction. You just, you can get, you can start, go, get going. How do you do? How can you start? You don't have to have great feelings, that's the point. You don't have to have this attractiveness. How do you, how do you wash feet? You get to the next pair, the next pair over. Find the people around you. Be very careful that you do not just gravitate toward people who are attractive to you, who make you feel good about yourself, who therefore you're using. You're not loving them. You're loving the love you're getting. You're not loving them. You're loving what you're getting from them. You're not loving them. You're looking at them not as, you're not enjoying the tree. You're just thinking about how to make it a commodity. Stop that. Just stop it. See, that's the first thing. Just get going. Wash feet. Listen. Washing feet has to do with showing a concern for people's comfort, showing a concern for people's needs. You see, it's, it's, so, it's so practical. So just get started. Start 
look at the people around you that right now you're ignoring because you're operating out of hunger instead of out of love and get started. But here's the great thing. This is what's so good. The golden rule, if you ever think of the golden rule, you'll hate it. The golden rule says you must put yourself in other people's place. Here's a person, right now, you've probably got somebody in your life you're ready to give up on because they've hurt you, because, they've, because they're stupid, because they, they're hard, because they're numb, because they're, uh, they're disappointing to you, or because they've, they've mistreated you, and you're ready to give up on them. You have to put yourself in their place. When you are stupid, do you want people to love and serve you anyway? When you're foolish, when you're bad, do you want people to love and serve you anyway? If you were chasing somebody trying to kill them and you fell off a cliff and you're hanging there by the edge, would you hope that that person would say, let me save you anyway? Would you? The golden rule says you owe whatever you want. It is absolutely unjust not to put yourself in other people's places. And so the people out there who you're giving up on, the unattra- do, you, do, you, do you want to be loved and served even though you're unattractive? Sure you do. Do you want to be loved and served even though you're stupid? Sure you do. Do you want to be loved and served even though you've done these awful things? Sure you do. But when other people are doing it to you, you can't give it back. You, you won't do it. You won't do it. You can't do it. You know why? Because you are hungry. Because we do need people. We need people. We need the love of people who are lovely to us so we can feel good about ourselves. And therefore, we cannot follow the golden rule. We cannot go out there and give up. We can't put ourselves in other people's places. We can't give love to people who are stupid and who are foolish and who are unattractive. We can't do it because we're hungry. We've got to find people who make us feel good about ourselves. Unless Jesus Christ comes to earth and here's what's so wonderful. Jesus Christ comes to earth and what does he do? Does he say, I'm your teacher and Lord. I see that you're not following the golden rule. You're not putting yourself in other people's places. Stop it. Start obeying the golden rule right now. Is that what he does? No. What he says is, I see that you're hungry. Sin has made you hungry. Sin has made you want to use people. Not love them, but love the love you're getting. You can't put yourself in other people's places. You can't live by the golden rule. You can't do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You can't. Well, here's what I've done. You can't put yourself in their place. Therefore, I have come and put myself in your place. I have died. I have come and lived the life you should have lived and died the death you should have died. I, God himself, I am kneeling at your feet There is no other prophet even who's done this, but there's certainly no other God who's ever made a claim that I, God, I'm kneeling at your feet. I'm washing your feet. I'm loving you in spite of who I am, in spite of who you are, in spite of what I'm facing. I have put myself in your place so that you can can start to love other people. How is that possible? It's simple. Jesus Christ loved you and he got nothing out of it. He loved you simply because of who you are. He loved you. How could you possibly help him in any way? And if that's true, that he can get nothing out of our devotion, that must mean he values us so highly. Only if you get love that's that free and that full, only if you felt that you've been loved just for who you are, will you be able to love anybody else just for who they are. Only if you're completely freed from hunger love by the fullness of what Jesus has done for you, will you be able to give real love. And there it is. On the one hand, foot washing, Jesus Christ says, go do it. You can do it. But on the other hand, he gives us an example. And what's wonderful about it is, why, why did Jesus do it? He did it because we need to see something. If you're saying to me, I've heard sort of sermons like this. This is pretty interesting, but I've heard sermons like this before. And I'm going to go out and I don't think I'm going to feel any better. I'm not going to feel any more loving. I am giving up on people. I can't love unattractive people. I, I really have a lot of trouble with all this. Here's what I'm asking you to think of. Jesus actually gave them an example. He showed them something. He didn't, he didn't get up to the blackboard. He showed them something. If you want to heal your heart, 
you've got to look at Jesus. You have to read the Gospels and you have to contemplate what he's doing. Ignatius Loyola, in his famous spiritual exercises, has you spend one week doing nothing but repenting for your sins. And then the next two weeks, what does he do? Does he say, now turn around and ask for forgiveness? No. He gives you 51, 51 incidents in the life of Christ and he says, meditate on them. Starts at the birth, goes all the way to the death and the resurrection. He says, look at Jesus. Don't abstractly say, oh, feel, you know, forgive me. Look at Jesus. Jesus said, he showed him his love. And only as you contemplate Jesus Christ doing this for you, will you be able to do it for other people. Are you ready? There's two things that you've got to do if this is going to happen. First of all, you need a bath. Remember when Peter says, wash my whole body, and Jesus says, no, you're already clean. When you become a Christian, you get a bath. You're justified by faith. And you don't need a bath over and over again. Do you have the bath? Or have you given yourself to Christ in that way? But then secondly, if you have the bath, and if you are justified by faith, every day you need Jesus Christ to come wash your feet. He says, you don't need a whole bath, but you do need to have me wash my feet, wash your feet. We are all familiar with the golden rule. Well, maybe I shouldn't assume that anymore. We live in a culture today where a lot of these things that I sort of grew up with and was just part of the the ether and the zeitgeist, they really aren't a part of most people's experiences when it comes to faith and uh, when it comes to just common decency. The golden rule is not just a Christian ethic. It is pretty much accepted worldwide. It is treating other people the way that you want to be treated. And there are a few passages of scripture that we can draw that out of, in particular, when Jesus asks, what is the first and greatest commandment? Uh, The lawyer and the Pharisee, they answer him uh, to love the Lord your God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the Shema. That's the standard from Deuteronomy chapter 6. But he says, what's the second commandment? And they respond rightly to to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Of course, they want to ask the question, well, who's my neighbor? And that's a separate subject altogether. But Jesus says, you know, if you keep that commandment, then you're fine. The problem is we don't keep that commandment. We all fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of actually loving our neighbors, loving our enemies, and blessing those who curse us. And unfortunately, you and I, when we measure ourselves up against the golden rule, we will always in every way fall short. In fact, I don't even think that the golden rule is all that uh, shiny and shimmery because the truth is some people, they don't, they want to be treated a certain way and uh, they treat other people the same way that they want to be treated, but they're still uh, rude and mean and and hurtful to others. Uh, They might have an opinion about themselves that they probably should change so that they would treat people around them better. This is not always a perfect example. So instead of the golden rule, what I like to say is the gospel rule. Really, Jesus takes the golden rule and he turns it on its head. He says, you can't do this. By trying to measure up to this standard, you will fall short. But I give you a gospel rule. Love others as I have loved you. And here's what we learn from the gospel rule. As Jesus said, to take the beam out of your own eye so that you can see clearly how to help your neighbor with the speck in their eye, what Jesus is essentially saying there is, once you wrestle with your own problems before God, if you spend the majority of your time working on your holiness, working on your forsaking of sin, your own hatred for your sin, and you understood the price that was paid for that sin, 
So you spend a great deal of time sitting at the foot of the cross, considering the need for repentance, the need for sorrow over sin, the the weight of that sin that was placed upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ, that he would die as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Once you've done that, it will change your perspective of those around you. It will actually see that their their speck is a lot smaller than, than your beam. And once you've done the heavy lifting and worked out your own salvation with fear and trembling, then you're able to humble yourself and understand, if not for the grace of God, there go I. We are all sinners who have found grace. And that is the grace that we ought to demonstrate to those around us. Because like us, we all fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus bore our sins, the weight of our sins, before the Father so that you and I can be forgiven. So let's love others as Jesus first loved us. We want to thank you for listening today. And if we have been an encouragement to you, I hope that you can be an encouragement to us. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. And of course, you can always head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, John 13, 34-35. Uh, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. <laughs>